Hey everybody, it's Phil. Uh, before we start the podcast, I just wanted to say we're back. Uh, Post Relevant Podcast is back for a new year. If you're listening, thank you for coming back. I'm sorry that I lost a month. I'll explain why. But uh, I just wanted to say happy 2022 to everybody. I hope that your year this year is amazing, wonderful, productive, beautiful, inspiring, and hope that we as a humanity take a big step forward this year. So fingers crossed. Let's do this. I'm going to keep a good outlook on things. All right. Uh, That's all I wanted to say. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I appreciate it. Lots more to come this year. Okay, let's get into it. Post-relevant podcast. Happy 2022. Fucking two. Did you ever think you would live in the future? Did you ever think you would live in the future? We're already beyond Blade Runner. Well, at least the first Blade Runner. We're way up there, man. We're moving into Star Trek territory. It's happening. Hi, thanks for listening to the Post Relevant Podcast. We are back. For January 2022, my name is Phil Restino. I am your intrepid host. Thank you for listening. I gotta be honest with you guys, I am tired as shit. Excuse my French. I had a crazy December. I spent almost all of December out in Sag Harbor, Long Island. Which is right at the end, right next to Montauk. So pretty much on the ocean, out in the middle of nowhere, painting somebody's house, an entire house, the inside of an entire house. I was living there all by myself. I spent Christmas by myself. I spent New Year's painting. I passed a kidney stone on January 1st while I was painting the ceiling of a room. Sharp pain in my left side. And I was like, oh, I I will lie down for a little while and see if I can meditate this pain away. And after a little while, I was like, nope, this is getting worse. I think my organs are failing me. <laughs> so I jumped in my car and uh, I sang prayers to the archangels as I drove to the hospital on January 1st think maybe Archangel Raphael was the one that seemed to work the best, singing songs to them, him, 
because uh, the pain started to go away by that point. Got to the hospital, they gave me an MRI, and um, I had already moved the kidney stone from my left kidney through the ureter and into my bladder. And apparently that's where it really is the worst pain, is that the ureter, the passageway from the kidney to the bladder, is really tiny. So uh, trying to force a kidney stone through that area is where, where all the pain comes from. I went back to work when I got back home that evening, like 2 in the morning or something. I worked for a few more hours, and I peed the thing out, caught it in a little, uh, what do you call it, a sieve? I don't know, you know, like a little mesh catcher. And I have it in a little plastic container now. Um, and they told me it was really small, but it looked big to me. Holy shit, that was the beginning of 2022 for me, folks. Um, so I was working my ass off. That's why you haven't heard from me in about a month or so. I had no energy, no time to make any more podcasts. Um, I was just working, man. Just working like a working man. Um, but it was nice out there. Sort of nice to be out near the ocean, freezing. Uh, there are lots of deer that would run through the yard, which was really cool, and I think I saw a hawk once. <sighs> but man, I'm tired this week. I have been sleeping, doing a ton of sleeping. Um, and uh, But I wanted to get this podcast up and running again because I have a lot more deep dives about Under the Silver Lake interpreting more segments of the movie to share with you guys um a bunch more so even though i'm dead tired i figured you know i could use what energy i have to start releasing this podcast again and get it together um so that's what i'm gonna do stay tuned coming up is my conversation with my brother andy about the next section of under the silver lake this is the awesome part of the movie where Sam figures out how to interpret the secret message in Turning Teeth, the song from Under the Silver Lake that um, Jesus and the Brides of Dracula are popular for. Is that a sentence I just made? Maybe. Uh, so Sam interprets the song and then he goes and he meets with the homeless king. And so I have a cutting edge interpretation of Sam's meeting with the homeless king. I don't think anyone has figured this out. And I have. And it's going to blow your mind if you like this movie. It's going to blow your mind. Um, I am the chosen one <laughs> to interpret this film, says my ego. Anyway, that's coming up. But first, I want to share this. Um, well, I guess you could call it a wrap. Yeah, and yes, I am a white guy, but that's okay. Um, I grew up with rap, and I do it, and uh, kiss my ass if you don't like it. <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of R.E.M. while I was painting, and uh, there's a great podcast called Are You Talking R.E.M.? Re-Me with Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott. Really funny stuff. They interview R.E.M. a bunch, and they break down all the albums, and so... Uh, Kind of got back into R.E.M. over December, and um, What's the Frequency, Kenneth, is featured heavily in 
Under the Silver Lake, the movie that I'm always talking about on this podcast. Um, you know, there's the scene where Sam, the main character, and the balloon girl dance to it in the cavern club, way underground in the bat cave. And then he uh, goes and pukes because he's drugged himself with a moon cookie. Um, and what's the frequency Kenneth is all about? One or two people who were really sort of schizophrenic and followed Dan Rather around and uh, attacked him, apparently. I don't know. Um, and someone was asking him, what's the frequency, Kenneth, to Dan Rather, trying to figure out what kind of secret information uh, CBS News was beaming into his head. So that's sort of what the song is about, sort of. And uh, so I thought that was a great, uh, that would be a great song to do sort of like my own version of and do a wrap around, not wrap around W-R-A-P but rap around R-A-P. So I re-recorded uh, uh, an abbreviated version of the song, taking the melodies and redoing them with my voice. Um, I don't have any instruments. The only musical instrument I really know how to play is, are the drums. I don't have a keyboard or a bass or a guitar or anything like that. I need to learn. I need to learn. But, um, you know, I've figured out how to sort of... Uh, I, I've been recording a lot over the last few years, recording vocals for a record that hopefully will be coming out this year. And uh, so I've kind of learned a lot of how to do production on my own, in my home, which is how I make this podcast. And so I just uh, take the melodies and the different uh, instruments are playing and What's the Frequency, Kenneth? And I sort of duplicated them with my voice and with effects on my voice, and um, and a little bit of percussion. And then I wrote a rap, uh, kind of based around the song, and around the idea of frequency, and um, the frequency war that we seem to be in as a worldwide society, dealing with the untruths of the media, and Hollywood, and what they're broadcasting at us, and into us, as a form of Crowd control, societal manipulation, etc., etc. You know, which is sort of what Under the Silver Lake is really talking about. Oh, these secret information, secret messages, secret vibrations that are being beamed into our heads. And is it possible to decode what they really mean and understand them and understand what kind of culture is being created for us and at us, around us, by the media and the governments on a deeper level? Is it possible to understand it? Well, I think so. But it does feel kind of like a big psychic war that we're in the middle of right now. And so that's kind of what this rap is about. So this is the frequency. The frequency is this. Dig it, 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 dig it. You got a question? I got the answer. What's the frequency, Kenneth? I seek to see the zenith. I'm creeping for the key to Kemet. I committed to the quest. Should I be committed? Lock me up and throw away the TV to finish. My society seems to be in dreams diminished. From the radio towers to the people's self-images. But we ain't primitives. Many millions rising in the word. Radiating at the billions. So their skulls ring endlessly. We ain't the fence. 
list against the propagandic industries and the answers to the matrix vibrate inside the highest frequency. For their own expedience, divide and conquer You can cover so much ground Now we find our true strength from you beating us down Be it wars or racism, money or disease It's the spirit inside and knows the true frequency We're turned on, tuned in, dropped out, burst at the seams A planet-wide revolution rising up To swim in the new frequency frequency is this i don't know about you guys but i think it kicks some mighty ass i was really feeling it oh did a lot of weeping yesterday <laughs> while i was recording that um probably from exhaustion but also it just feels like tapping into something big what's the frequency frequency is going to define our future and it's going to keep raising as we exist in our position in the solar system and the universe. The radiations coming from the center of the galaxy, changing us, evolving humanity, one brain at a time, one heart at a time. It's all about the frequency. Find the highest one you can. It will change your life. Okay, so... This next conversation is uh, Brother Andy and I carrying on our due diligence and understanding <laughs> the movie Under the Silver Lake. Oh man, this was recorded months ago. We're getting into an awesome section of the movie. This is one of my favorite parts of the film. A double header of awesomeness. Uh, we talk about the segment where Sam figures out how to decipher the song Turning Teeth written by Jesus and the Brides of Dracula in the movie. And I love this section because it shows what inspiration feels like and looks like, how it works, what the creative process is. Um, I think this filmmaker does a fantastic job of really showing what inspiration is, how it works, how it dawns on your third eye. He does a bang-up job showing it in this scene where Sam interprets the song. And then the other incredible scene after that, he goes to Griffith Park Observatory and meets the homeless king. The homeless king takes him underground and shows him, enlightens him. He shows him what the elite are really up to. <laughs> and this scene is freaking amazing. I love it. And so there's a code inside of this scene. There's a visual code. And, you know, later on in the podcast, in a few episodes, when I really explain who Sam actually is, 
it'll make even more sense what this coded scene is all about. But in this conversation, Andy and I uh, go deep into, you know, the meeting with the homeless king and the journey underground. And then I spring it on him by the end of the episode here. Uh, I lay it out. What's really happening in this scene? And it was one of those things where the scene really bugged me because I couldn't I couldn't get why certain things were there in the scene and what it was really trying to say. And then I had the ding in my mind. Ding! Here's what it is. I put it all together and it all makes sense. Um, and, you know, of course, you can just say, well, that's your interpretation. But look, man, uh, I think I'm batting like close to a thousand with interpretations in this movie. I'm doing pretty good and it only gets better. And, you know, once I reveal really who Sam is, it makes it all make sense. Um, there's so many correlations that make the story really um, make total sense. And I don't think it's just my imagination. I think I really figured it out. So, uh, humble brag, bros. Yeah, this is it. Oh, by the way, uh, the image uh, for this episode is my mom standing in front of James Dean's statue in Hollywood at Griffith Park Observatory. Of course, they filmed Rebel Without a Cause at Griffith Park Observatory, famously. That's why James Dean's head is there. Um, I realize that Andrew Garfield's hair in this movie is very similar to James Dean's hair. Never really made that connection before. But uh, if you look at the picture on Instagram for uh, sort of like the cover image for this episode, it's my mom in front of James Dean's head. And you see how high <laughs> this touch really is because my mom is so tiny, but she's adorable. I uh, love my mom. Love you, mom, if you're listening. If not, no worries. It's all good. Um, I'm not sure this movie's for you. <laughs> but uh, I hope you guys are checking out my Instagram at Phil Rostino on Instagram. Because uh, I post cover images for each episode. And I post uh, videos talking about what the episodes are about. And I post other ancillary things as well. Like, for example, this week I've posted an image that was taken by this guy of me at a park on 23rd Street in uh, in Manhattan uh, like at least 20 or more years ago. This guy had a camera with two lenses on it and he would take a picture of you with one side, one lens, and then you'd move as if you're sitting next to yourself and he'd take another picture of you with the other side, the other lens, and then he'd develop the image so it looked like you were having a conversation with yourself. And I just randomly met this guy and he took my picture and uh, it turned out that he belonged to a group that studied Shakespeare as an enlightened master. And um, so this is the, and we talk about that in the episode, in the conversation coming up. And uh, that image is on my Instagram, as well as the image with my mom, as well as the lyrics to the Frequency Is This, the song that I just dropped at the beginning of the podcast. So... If you haven't been, please check out and friend me on Instagram at Phil Rostino, P-H-I-L-R-I-S-T-A-I-N-O. And you can drop me messages there, too, because uh, uh, it's another aspect to this podcast, uh, you know, the 4D experience. 
Anyway, blah, 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 blah. Here is the conversation about Sam's meeting with the homeless king and uh, discovering the secret messages inside Turning Teeth in Under the Silver Lake. Here's my conversation with Brother Andy. Dig it now. Hello! Welcome back to the Post-Relevant Podcast. You're here with your good buddy, Phil Restino. And I'm here with my good buddy... Andy Restino. Otherwise known as Andy Restino. What did I say? You said Andy Restino. Oh, okay. (laughs) Take it down a level, Andy. Sorry. (laughs) I'm dealing with allergies today. Ah, you feeling snoofly? Yeah. Oh, that's a bummer. I agree. Um, yeah, that must be something about moving back to the East Coast is the allergies come back, right? Right. Well, I, you know, I've done pretty well so far. But last year, every time I was outside, I was wearing a mask. Oh. And, uh, you think that this helped? Year I, yeah, I think it helped. Oh. Uh, this year, I, uh, I don't think it's like pollen or anything that's doing it to me. I think it's, I'm like, Packing stuff to move, and I had boxes oh, that's in the basement. That's what it is. Yeah, and uh, we had like a water leak in the basement like a month ago, and I think the boxes are all infected with mold. And yeah, fudge. So I've been burning boxes today. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I find even just going through old notes and shit yeah. like that, old boxes of books and stuff, that that will fuck me up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you might have to cut out a sneeze or two in the middle all of the right. podcast. Or I'll make it louder. Yeah, you could totally. You could add effects to it. I'll put uh, like a super, super, super Valhalla super delay on it. That, there you go. Uh, that'll really make that shit happen. Yeah. You were out in the West Coast? Right now? Wedding? Oh, last week I was, yeah. Yeah. How was that? It was great, man. I saw a bunch yeah. of uh, buddies of ours and uh, yep. went to wine country. Uh, oh, really? Did you drink a lot yeah. of wine? Drank a lot of wine, yeah. Really? And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was most of it was free, so. Nice. For me, at least. Free uh, for me! Yeah, we went on a really cool hike. Uh, like, we got, we drove up the one and met up with everyone yeah. at this beach called Shell Beach. And we, uh, okay. it was really foggy. Like, it, the light mm. was just starting to get low. And uh, we hiked up to the top of a mountain. Uh, and there were like fog banks rolling in, so it looked like there were like hills above the clouds, basically. So it looked like islands oh. in the clouds. And nice. uh, we watched the sunset. And then the coolest part was we walked back in the dark, and it was super foggy and damp. And uh, I don't know, it was just really nice to hike down a mountain in the dark. Uh, you know, maybe not recommended, but. This was the weekend of the wedding or what? Yeah, we flew out there on Thursday and flew back on Sunday. Mm. How's Brother Mark? Brother Mark's good, yep. Yeah, cool. And you saw uh, Alex and John Raitan and, of course, Ran. Ran, I saw Jefferson uh, Marshall. Not Jefferson uh, Sevens. No, I almost said that. Yeah. I had to stop myself. I saw... uh, Matt? Was Matt the singer there? No, Matt was not there. but did see uh, Morgan. Nice. The legendary yeah. Morgan. Yeah. 
Cool. And, you know, all their significant others also. Right on. That's cool. Was it nice being back on the West Coast or, or do you, do you remember why nice. you left? No, I mean, it, I liked, I always liked San Francisco. Didn't get to see much of it. Uh, uh-huh. It was really nice to drive up the coast and go hiking and, and yeah. Yeah, we where were, really where nice... were you guys? What town were you in? Gurnville. Is that where Ren lives now? Oh, Ren has a place there. Yeah. Okay. Our pal Ren. Cool. Because it was his wedding. Yep. Did Ren express actual joy? No, I was going to say, this is the only time. <laughs> Ren is usually a ball buster every right. second of the day. And uh, his <laughs> vows were the only time I've ever seen Ren be sincere and wow, like sensitive. <laughs> So wow. uh, it was pretty amazing. <laughs> I actually said that to him afterwards. What did he say? <laughs> he what did not say say his usual thing, which is who brought the jokes? <laughs> uh, yeah. That's so funny, man. Said in response. But yeah, it was a super fun wedding. Great. Congratulations yeah. on going Thank to you. a wedding. I know. Um, I was just getting a haircut, and they were playing Silver Sun pick up, uh, Silver Sun pickups in the. Nice. Do you know what song? Da 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 da. Yeah, I, I think it's off of the first album that we both got okay. to know. Okay. Because I know cool. it. I've heard the song before, but I don't right. know their names of their tunes at all. No. Neither do I. I don't know why I asked. It's a great tune, though. Whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. But uh the reason I mentioned that of course uh eagle eye eagle eared listeners will know that Silver Sun Pickups played Turning Teeth in yes. um, Under the Silver they, Lake. I almost forgot the name of the film we're yeah, talking about. They did about. not write it, but they played no, it. They played so, it. And they're in the movie. The movie. Yeah. Yep. And then I have a couple things I want to They're the backup I, band Druids in the movie. Yes, they're the Druids. But there's a couple things I wanted to talk about before we get into the going through hit me with it my first thought was um oh well before i start saying about my thoughts you know uh the past couple weekends i've been going to central park with my friend uh-huh. laurel and nice. she lives right close to columbus circle uh-huh and which is like a rotary in you know a busy area of uh la in the in the southwest LA, corner New York. that's what i meant new york city yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the near, it's right below the southwest corner of Central Park. Right. And so we've been talking about Columbia over the past few oh, episodes. Yeah. And so there is a Columbia statue in Columbus Circle. Nice. Mm hmm. And um, in the middle of the circle is an obelisk, like uh, where um, Sam stands under before he meets the homeless king. Right, which we will, you know, I, we we might get there today. Probably. Uh, I'm hopeful, but I'm not confident. Yeah, we'll see. I don't um, think we'll get to the musician's house, but I think we'll get to the. Oh, we're definitely not getting to the musician's house. But you think we're going to get all the way through that part, huh? Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Okay, well then, this is more especially relevant. So there's an obelisk, you know, like a a phallic object. Yeah. With Christopher Columbus standing on the top of it. Oh, that jerk. Yep. And um, across the way from that is a big rectangular obelisk uh, right yeah. on the corner of the park. And there's coming out of that is the front of a boat, huh. this old statue. And it's got different characters, very large 
characters like in the front of the boat and on the sides of the of the rectangle. Right. Um, and I haven't figured out who they all are yet. But at the very top of the big rectangle, on the same level as Christopher Columbus, who's really elevated on the top of the obelisk. Right. The very top across the way, maybe like 50 feet away from the Christopher Columbus statue. On the same level as him is a statue, a golden statue of this woman with a torch riding three horses. Nice. So I thought three was interesting, but I'm almost certain that that is Columbia, the goddess. So there's the god and the goddess uh, symbolism again. Sure. All over America. Yep, all over America. But there it is. I keep on seeing it. I figured out that there is sort of like, it's like a giant rod of God kind of construct in the park that I never knew really was there. You could say it's sort of like the rising of the Kundalini. And this is a thing that is I found in several other parks as well, which I'll be, you know, talk about it maybe at some other point. But these are also around America as well. Right. And essentially, it's kind of like, you know, like you're going up the spine to the crown chakra. Um, but over over land, like it's it's built like um, a giant symmetrical kind of wow, like a spine, essentially. OK, cool. And um, so we've uh, we 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 came across it a week ago because we were walking through the park and we ended up in this part of the park where this I can't remember what it's called, but it's essentially like a, a huge brick area with uh, beautiful steps, stone steps. And in the middle is a giant fountain with an angel standing at the elevated, just like um, Columbia and Christopher Columbus at the top of this giant fountain with water coming down. It's a really beautiful uh, area and it feels very good. Like it feels, I think that, you know, like the people that were, when they were building this, this country, um, there was a point where they were sort of more enlightened and they were building these structures that are pleasing to the soul. And so this place feels that way. And then if you walk away from that area, you walk through a huge long lawn. And on either side of the lawn are these big old trees, but it's very symmetrical. And so that's like the lane that leads up to the, the fountain where the angel is. And at the very bottom of that long, long, long lawn is a statue of of uh and we found this sort of backwards because normally you'd start at the bottom and go up to the top so like the angel is at the crown chakra essentially right but it at the bottom is a statue of william shakespeare nice yeah and uh songwriter the songwriter william shakespeare (laughs) the bard (laughs) um the eternal bar the immortal bard another word for songwriter oh nice bro it work are are there stops at every no no but it it's but it but i'm confident that that's sort of what it's set up to be is like a a journey it's sort of like a journey yeah sure it's meant to sort of raise your consciousness it's set up it's deliberately formatted landscaping and statuary that's designed to raise your consciousness and um the interesting thing for me because i didn't know that uh shakespeare was at the bottom of this whole alleyway is that uh years and years ago i was in another park in new york city and this guy was taking these pictures uh with a camera that had two lenses on it and what he would do is he'd have you sit in one spot and take your picture yeah and then with one side of the camera and then he'd have you sit next to yourself 
and he'd take your picture with the other side of the camera and it would look like you were having a conversation the the final oh, photograph would make neat. it look like you're talking to yourself All right i thought it was going to be one of those like 3d pictures i forget what it's called yeah i know what you're talking about no yeah. no this i'd never seen anything like this and i've never seen it again and i just happened upon this guy and he and i asked him what he was doing and he told me and he took my picture i still have the photo oh awesome he gave you a photo yeah um or the digital photo at least yeah. but it turned Wait, out that he was something other than digital photos there was Wow. Yeah, I know. But uh, it turned out that this guy was part of a group of people that studied William Shakespeare as if he was an ascended master. Whoa. And they thought that he was an enlightened being and that if you studied his work, you could uh, decode it because it was like written on many levels. And right. That it would lead to your own, potentially lead to your own personal enlightenment. Nice. And I met up with them once. He invited me to come meet their group. Yeah, but uh, one of the women in the group um, uh, realized immediately that I wasn't really looking to become a part of their group, and that she was like, "You know, you seems like you really need a job because <laughs> I, I was unemployed <laughs> at the time. I needed a job, so yeah. I didn't end up being a part of their study group. But I thought that was very interesting that there are people who think that William Shakespeare is this enlightened guy, yeah, and uh, and there he is at the bottom of this long, you know, alleyway that leads up to an angel in yeah. Central Park." They didn't want you to know their secrets, Phil. Maybe not. Maybe I just wasn't there yet. No. But there's a thought that Shakespeare never existed also, and that his writings were all written by maybe a group of people. Right. And there's also a thought that Shakespeare was actually this guy, Francis Bacon. Right. Who wrote about the New Atlantis, I think. I can't remember what his book is about, but it's sort of like predicting uh, the rise of the United States. Right. You know, I think people think that he might be one of those guys behind the scenes during the formation of the country, Francis right. Bacon. But I don't know. Anyway, it's uh, it's all fascinating. I thought it was very fascinating uh, sort of sequence of events for the past week for me. And just running into another, you know, finding, Col yeah. you know, really studying like what Columbus Circle is. And there's another right. statue of Columbia there and just connecting yeah. it to all the stuff we've been talking oh, about. Oh, man. So. You know, I can't wait till you go to, to Washington, D.C. Uh, maybe. I have a feeling. <laughs> you might see some stuff there. You might be right. Okay, so and here are my thoughts before we start. My first thought is that, you know, I brought up the Jefferson Sevens, uh, you know, the the millionaire, billionaire or whatever from yeah. who dies and, and takes Sarah with him in Under the Silver Lake. That uh, the images of him on the news of him on a motorcycle flying through the air. Oh, yeah. And uh, on a, on the wings of a biplane doing stunts. That it meant he was a sky god, but I, what I think maybe even more accurately is that, you know how Sam figures out that there are people giving messages to each other through media, right? Yeah. That aren't meant for us? Yeah. So I think that that is what's going on with that image in the news when they're showing his death and then they're showing the they're images showing of him. His ascension? He's saying, you're exactly right, he's, he's telling the other rich people, or the it. other people in the know, that he's... He's em embarking on his his ascension. Right. So that's for them in the news to know that that's what's going on with him. He's not actually dead, but he's embarking on his ascension. Right. So that's what I think that's there for. Okay. Sounds, sounds plausible. Yeah. Yeah. The second thing is I do think this idea of like what I was talking about uh, a few episodes when I we figured out the, the, 
the triple goddess and Hecate yeah. or Hecate and one of the middle goddess in the triple goddess is Demeter. Yeah. I do think that that's who Sam's mom is supposed to be. And I kind of think that why the reason that I think Sam's mom is dead is I kind of think she's calling him from another plane. Right. Like she's calling him from heaven or Olympus or wherever. Right. Because she's always in a great mood. Yeah. And she's always talking about this seventh heaven movie. Right. You know, and she's there. She sends him the movie at the end. She's she's there as this like sort of blissed out figure who's kind of keeping Sam like as crazy as his life gets. She's yeah. there to kind of like keep him in, with in perspective and in check and and to check in on him from beyond, sort of. So I think she is sort of playing the Demeter role, and that when he gets phone calls from her, she's calling him from heaven. Sure. That's why I think she's dead. Okay. You know, because she's the the movie is Seventh Heaven, and, and she right. identifies with the dead actress Janet Gaynor. Right. And you know, I, I and I was making that connection between Jefferson Seventh and Seventh Heaven as well. Right. You know what I mean? So there's something about like seven, the seven chakras. She's calling from the seventh heaven or something. Like right. she's kind of she's calling from a place of like a of of a person who seems to be happy and fulfilled sure and and is keeping tabs on sam like a god would right and so that thought has led me to be thinking well if sam's interacting with all these mythological beings you know all these triple goddess girls yeah and then the actual triple goddess itself that they're they're all these sort of you know even like the the rich men are all sort of positing themselves as like becoming gods right all that kind of thing. So it's all this myth- mythological symbolism all around him. That kind of leads me leads me to think like, is he a god or a demigod or something like that? You know uh-huh. what I mean? Because right, like who does he represent? Yeah, who would he be in this story? I don't know. And so I was thinking about well, Demeter, who's her kids? Right. You know, and so um, well, Persephone is one of her kids. Persephone. From Zeus and possibly Dionysius. Then from Poseidon, it's Arion and Despoina. And then from this god named Iazon, Corbius, Plutus, and Philomelus. And then from someone named Carmenor, Eubulius, and Chrysothemis. Wow. Okay, so those are all her children. And the one that kind of stuck out to me, because I've had this theory about who Sam might be representing already. Right. So it says in, just in Wikipedia, this guy, Corybus. Corybus. Is that with a C or a K? C-O-R-Y-B-A-S. Okay. Um, he's the son of, of Iazion and Cybele, who is like another version of Demeter. He gave his name to the Corabantes, or dancing priests of Phrygia. Okay. Uh, the Corabantes were associated with Orpheus, another son of Apollo and Musa, founder of the closely related Orphic Mysteries. Ah. Okay. And so when I saw that, this is that's what I've been kind of thinking about is Orpheus. Right. I'm trying to remember what Orpheus's deal was. So the the reason that I've kind of like I remembered Orpheus was from the Sandman comic books. Right. And there was a special issue that they put out where 
Orphe it's like back in the Greek days and Orpheus is the son of Morpheus the dream lord right in that book oh he's a he's a musician and prophet yes he oh. plays the lyre okay his wife i think it's Eurydice she gets bit by something and dies uh-huh and so he can't deal with it and he goes to the underworld and tries to bring her back okay okay and uh, in that story, in the Sandman story, he goes to the underworld to bring her back and he gets permission. I think he, in that story, he starts playing music and it's so sad that all the dead start crying uh-huh. and Hades can't deal with it. So he grants him his wife to return back to the living with him. Yeah. But he says, you can't turn around and oh, yeah. look at her. She'll turn to dust, right? Or she'll just, she'll, she'll be stuck here. Oh, okay. And so just before he... He walks all the way back up to the, the surface world, but just before he crosses the threshold, he looks back. That dummy. And she was behind him, and he loses her. Yeah. And so then he's miserable, and he's torn apart by these women, these, like, demonic women that are, have something to do with Dionysius, I think. Uh-huh. So Orpheus plays music, and he goes to the underworld to save his wife. Uh-huh. And he's one of maybe two people because he's connected with Dionysius in a way, and I'm going to explain that in a second. But um, and their myth, they both went as living beings to the underworld uh-huh. and came back. Okay. So supposedly they're the only living people who went to the underworld. Um, so I'm kind of thinking like, so Sam is related to Cobain, right? Yeah. And he's really interested in music and interpreting music. Right. And we even see him playing the guitar at one point. Right. And um, he goes and visits like the God musician. Sure. So, and and there's even that image of Jim Morrison in the dog, the word dog at the very, very beginning of the movie. Yeah. You know, who's part of the 27 Club along with Kurt Cobain there. And he has the, you know, that sort of like mythic, like death relation you know, to him as well, Jim Morrison. So, uh, you know, Sam is always sort of connected with music in this movie. Sure. And then he goes, as we were talking about in the last episode, he goes to the underworld trying to find Sarah. And I think what might be even more close to this Orpheus thing is that he and the balloon girl are the only two people there with color in their clothes. Everyone else is in black. So... You know, it's like he's there in the land of the dead and they're all dead, but he's still wearing, he's wearing like red and blue and so vibrant life colors. Right. So he's still alive in the land of the dead, essentially. And then there's even, maybe you could even, I don't know if this is, this counts or not, but he gets attacked by all those, those barking chicks at one point. Right. And then he gets attacked by the owl woman, um, the owl's kiss later on. And, you know, could they potentially represent sort of like these angry demonic women. Right. Who they, they, in the Sandman comic, they tear his body to pieces, but his head lives on. Right. So he just lives on eternally as a head after that. It's really crazy. Nice. Um, anyway, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like if there's a, an analog to who Sam might be and, and in my theory, like if he's going to be dealing with all these like mythological things and mythological beings, essentially. Right. That maybe he's Orpheus. Maybe okay. he's supposed to be Orpheus. Okay. 
And so there was a whole religion based around Orphism, uh-huh. essentially. The Orphics revered Dionysius, who once descended into the underworld and returned, and Persephone, who annually descended into the underworld for a season and returned. Right. Uh, Orphism has been described as a reform of earlier Dionysian religion uh, involving a reinterpretation or rereading of the myth of Dionysius. Central focus of Orphism is the suffering and death of the god Dionysius at the hands of the Titans. It's sort of this idea of like uh, ritual purification and I guess going into the underworld and returning. Right. You know, and Orpheus does have this music thing going on with him. There's more to it, but I'm not going to... Orphism is named for the legendary post-hero Orpheus, right. who was said to have originated the mysteries of Dionysius. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, like, I'm just kind of thinking about this, like, this whole uh, movie almost seems like this giant mystery school teaching. Sure. Yeah, I guess that's sort of my theory right now, is that that's what's, maybe that's who Sam is essentially representing in this um, story. Right. Is Orpheus the musical god who goes into the underworld after his dead partner and returns to the living? Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's my theory. I was trying to, while you're talking, I was trying to figure out who, uh, what's his pal's name? Alan? Yeah. I feel like Alan, he's always wearing like weird shirts that have like flowers on them and stuff like that. I'm wondering uh-huh. if he's supposed to represent someone. Huh. Maybe. I don't know. You would think so, right? Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out who the woman in green right. is. Right. That was the next person I was going to say because she, yeah. she appears several times. And yeah. And very. She's so dressed up, yeah. you know? She's so in so costume. specific, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's got to be somebody, but I'm not really. I can't really. Right. Oh, and there, here's another. In order to maintain purity following initiation and ritual, Orphix attempted to live an ascetic life free of spiritual contamination, most notably by adhering to a strict vegetarian diet. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, but almost, but I guess one of the things that I've been thinking about is that Sam is sort of becoming an ascetic yeah. in a way. Yeah, like he's, he's kind of giving up the material world, rejecting the material world, and so. I wonder if it's conscious or not. I'm t- I feel like he couldn't have this adventure unless he had already divorced himself from things like a job and that kind of right. stuff, those kind of cares. You know, because I really do think this is his spiritual journey. And anyway, yeah, whatever. I'm all over the place. No problem. Oh, wow. we can get into the we can get into the story. All right, we're gonna get into the movie again. Yeah. All right. <laughs> do you have anything you want to say? No. Well, I had something about. I don't know if it's relevant anymore, but when you were first talking about the mother being mm-hmm. dead, mm-hmm. I, w- I was just thinking like, yeah, like if he's, if this is Sam, uh, Sam's trip through the afterlife, mm-hmm. you know, through purgatory and hell, like maybe mm-hmm. she's there to kind of guide him back to heaven, basically. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. That's right. definitely what she's there for. Right. Yeah. She's keeping him. Yeah, she's the, she's his light, especially in like I mean, you know, that moment when she calls when he's passed out in front of uh, uh, Janet, Janet Gaynor's yeah. grave, like you know, he's just been through a crazy some crazy sure. shit, and there she is looking out for him and keeping him in perspective. And yeah, anyway, that sounds like a good moment to pick up, yeah, though, huh? Yeah, yeah. So okay, so we've we've 
seen him waking up at Janet Gaynor's grave. Yeah. And he has the conversation with his mom. And then he's he walks past the billboard again. Yeah. I can see clearly now. Yeah. And so I don't know what day we're on until his enlightenment yeah. of the five days that the lenses uh, represent. But the next scene that we cut to is uh, it's Luigi yeah. from he, Mario Brothers. He's under the Silver Lake, Phil. He's underwater. Yeah. He's swimming around underwater and going through pipes and shit. Yeah, World 2-2. Two, two. I don't know if that means anything. but What is World 2-2? Two, two? That's just the second world of the second world. It's an underwater world. Yeah, it probably doesn't mean anything. What? How Do you figure it out where he was in the video game? It says it on in, on the screen. So. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. World 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. And what is it? What does it represent? I don't know if it represents anything. He's just no, no. I just you just said what it was. What did oh, you say? okay. It's it's the second level of the second world. Interesting. And it's a water world, which is pretty doesn't happen that often in Mario. You're right. Do you remember? Do you remember that part of the game? Yeah, kinda. Yeah. You know, I remember it enough. You can still throw fireballs underwater I if know, you're powered if up, you're right? Powered up. Yep. It's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, it's just the way the world <laughs> works. <laughs> I agree. Um, and so um, that's Topher Grace yeah. playing, playing. Yeah. Super Mario Brothers while Sam is reading The Code Breakers. Right, which is an important book uh, for figuring out the codes. I'm wondering if you remember some of the things that they're talking about there because I don't have too many notes. They are apparently. talking about well, Topher Grace is, you know, whenever he's on screen, he's he's kind of like, he's kind of talking about how society is now basically yeah or his take on society yeah and he's he's talking about how uh they're talking about he obviously had mentioned to Topher that there's codes and there might be a code in the song and he talks about how when he was 10 he liked to figure out codes and stuff like that and then Topher Grace talks about how like because there are no more mysteries in life we have yeah. to like make up our own mysteries basically is he talking, is this the scene where he says you could just walk out and look under a rock and you'd find something that people used to do that? They used to go out in nature and right, look under yeah, a yeah, rock this and is, find this a new is, mystery. Yeah. Right? Uh, which is a wonderful line. Yeah. Um, I, what I do have written down is that he says, where's the mystery that makes everything worthwhile? Right. <laughs> yeah. He, go, he goes, yeah, some moron could just look behind a rock or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when he says, where's the mystery that makes everything worthwhile? Yeah. The parrot says whatever the parrot is saying. Right. You can hear the bird talking far away. Right. So it's as if to answer his question. Right. So again, I don't think the parrot's saying nothing. No. I think he's saying something. Right. Or she. Right. But we still don't know what it is. Right. Yet. But then it cuts to Tova. It seems like Tova Grace has left the building. Yep. And uh, Sam is now listening to Turning Keith. Does he already have the thing rigged upside Not down yet? yet or is no, he, he just... listens to it forward first. And he's writing out the lyrics on a pizza box? Yeah, yeah, and he's singing along. Right. Is this where he's got like the, it, it's like a sequence. It, he's got like the box up on his feet, like he's not lying on his couch on his it's back. It's not there yet. He's just lying the, on okay. the rug, writing it out on the pizza box. And then it goes to, uh, yeah, then it cuts to him. He's rigged up. I he must have like taken apart the record player, but he's got the record upside down, spinning so it's spinning backwards, and he it looks like he turned the head of the record player around so it can play upside down. And he's listening to it backwards. 
It's like on a roll. It's like there's like a roll of toilet paper or a tape on tape or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and then there's some sort of, and then there's the records on that, and then there's like a metal weight holding the record down. Yeah, and the arm of the record player is upside down. Yeah, it's been twisted around somehow, which yeah. I, I mean, maybe is a thing you can do. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. So he's trying to play the song backwards to see if there's messages there. Yeah. Which yeah. there isn't. Well, you know, I've tried to listen to some of it backwards as well, and maybe I think, maybe I you found remember something. them some, saying something like, please help me or something oh, like that. Uh-oh. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I, I, you know, honestly, for the most part, it's not really, No, I, I mean, didn't really notice anything. Yeah, what they play in the movie, there's no message there. If there is a message, it's in the it's in the chorus. Yeah, but uh, I couldn't really find much, honestly. Right. So uh, Sam gets sort of frustrated and he goes to jerk off. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a collage of magazines and pictures on his bed. Right. Yeah. It's like uh, with the Kurt Cobain poster prominently above him. Right. And it's all like like pictures from magazines, like. There is a little pornography there, but most of it's from like fashion mags and stuff like that. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, it's like fashion magazines. There is some sort of like Playboy centerfold kind right, of stuff. Right, the, the the one he said was his favorite. Uh, that cover. It's that mag. It's that Playboy. Well, there's the covers there, and then there's right. I think there's another Playboy. There's some lingerie yeah. ads. There's actually the actually the photo of Sarah with the hat. Yeah, that's there. there. And then the, the funniest thing is the. <laughs> There's a People magazine with like Jefferson Sevens's family mourning on the cover, <laughs> and it says Jefferson Sevens dead. Yeah, and why has he gone? Why is he gone? Oh, yes. why is he gone? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's women like in the water too, like 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 a model on the beach yeah. in the surf. Yeah, I could swear. Um, there is the photo of the three brides too. Yeah. Uh, maybe from the LA Weekly or yeah. something. Yeah, I think so. And the song is still playing backwards yeah, in the, the background. Yeah, the song is playing well. backwards. Um, yeah, and the People magazine says Jefferson Sevens dead, and it's Jefferson Sevens's wife and Millicent. Yeah, and Millicent's wearing some weird. She's wearing another gold dress. Yeah, and a veil, and she has a weird pin on her hat that I don't know what it is, but it's also gold. It's sort of like magnetic fields, it sort of looks like. Or right. It's sort of like an abstracted butterfly, sort of. It's weird. It's a weird pin, but it really stands out to me, but I can't make out like it as a symbol at all. Right. But again, there she is wearing gold. Right. It says, why is he gone on the cover? And I kind of look at this as like a, a, one of those, when they talk about like an orgy of of evidence. Right. You know what I mean? It's like a detect. This is his a detective moment for him, <laughs> right? He's trying to put it all together, right? <laughs> but he's also jer- jerking it. Um, it's so weird, like how nonchalant. You know, this is where we're at as a society of yeah. like how watching someone jerk off, like it's, right. it's just like, oh yeah, he's just jerking off, whatever. right? And yeah, he's kind of like muttering to himself and trying to put things together, but then also like it seems like he's looking for like the one thing that'll send him over the edge. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's trying to. Right, he's trying to have an orgasm. Yeah. Um, so he, and, he flips uh, the page on the LA Weekly, and what does he find? He finds an ad for a uh, shooting star escorts. 
Yep. And he kind of stops jerking off because he notices, he recognizes the girls in the ad. And it's both of the chicks that were standing in front of Hitchcock's grave. Yeah. 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 And so he calls them. Yeah. I wrote down in my notes, backward music is prominent, but I didn't hear any clues. Yeah. But I think I even watched that scene a bunch to listen to the backwards music in the scene, and I didn't really catch anything. So I think we cut to the redhead comes over. Yeah, she she shows up. The shooting star with the short red hair who previously looked straight into the camera and said, do you like the movie? Right. I love her. Yeah. yeah so she's, she's wearing purple cool. and silver. Yeah. What do you think that means? I'm not sure. Purple is like a higher chakra color. And of course, silver. Yeah. You know. I mean, silver always connects to the moon. Yeah. And of course, silver always connects to the Silver Lake. Yeah. And I think like when we're thinking Silver Lake, we should be also, when we're thinking Silver Lake, we should kind of be thinking moon in a way, but we also should be thinking about things like a silver screen or a mirror. Right. There's something there. It's, you know, to reflect ourselves back. at It's, it's like silver sort of makes you aware of yourself somehow. Right. Um, that's just something I'm just thinking out loud about. Right okay. Now. She asks him about work. Yeah. And that's when he does the, why is everybody, uh, always, always interested in work? work. Hey, yeah. what you, you going to work? Hey, what, what, what you do for work? Huh? Yeah. And he just sort of shrugs all that stuff off. Yeah. I really wish it would be possible to figure out what he used to do, but maybe music is the thing. Yeah. Maybe he's a musician. I don't know. And then she, he kind of says, what about you? You know, like uh, he sort of asked her about acting and she's like, you know, I don't, ma- I can't make a living from just appearing in one movie. Right. Essentially. And then she does the whole, this whole cool, like strip tease yeah. right to the camera again to the, to the viewer. She's sort of like perfectly center right. in this image, which feels very Kubrickian to me. Sure. And so as she's taking off her clothes, she gives another, this is another, and in my mind, this is another, the filmmaker talking right to us again. Right. Uh, you won a blowjob from the Academy nominated uh, Best Supporting Actress from last year, Call Shooting Star. You know? Yeah. You want to fuck the beauty queen, the, the, the uh, what is it? The homecoming queen or whatever yeah. she says. She says a couple things like that, essentially, like you have a fantasy about some girl or some famous actress that you always wanted to have sex with. Uh, call my uh, my call girl service right. and you'll get to sleep with an actress. Yeah. And I mentioned this, you know, many episodes before, but I think this is a real thing that was going on in sure. Hollywood is that these actresses are essentially being pimped out to these rich guys. Right. In real life. Right. Like, um, so you may be seeing them on the cover of a magazine or in a movie and thinking like they've got it made, but they're. Yeah, really. They're probably going through some crazy weird shit in Hollywood and being used, um, you know, as just straight up sex objects by powerful men. Right. So I kind of look at this as like a revealing of that that that's a thing that actually is happening in Hollywood. And she sort of represents that idea. Right. They're kind of like hanging out on the couch. Yeah. And he asks her, he starts asking her about the pirate. Yeah. She's being really affectionate, but he's treating it like kind of like a police detective interrogation. Yes. Yes, He's very laissez faire about their interaction. Yeah. And he's asking her about what she knows about him, you know, where she's seen him before, anything like that. 
And she asks about food. She doesn't seem to know much about the no, pirate guy. No, she doesn't. No. Right? Again, I think the pirate and yeah. the Indian are these white guys dressed up as false flag actors. Right. And we see she has she has a tattoo on her thigh. I don't know what it is, though. I could never figure it out. I also don't know. I might have written it down somewhere, but I don't okay. have it readily. We see it again later. Out. She asks for food, and he she goes over to the fridge, and she pulls out some pizza. And on the fridge is Sarah's picture. Right. Along with several images of Marilyn Monroe and water. Right. Yeah, you're right. Um, and, um, and there's something for Amity Island. Uh-huh. A postcard for Amity Island. Where's that? I don't know. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Um, and Thor. Yeah. Thor. So there's the gods. Yeah. Huh. Maybe that's why Thor's there. Yeah, maybe. You know? Yeah. And so she, she's getting a piece of pizza. She recognizes Sarah on the. The fridge. On the fridge, she says, I know this girl. Yeah. She goes on to tell him what happened. Yeah. That they were at a party, and she was brought there by some rich asshole producer. And she went into this one party. Sarah was in a glass box. Yeah. Um, and dressed in Dalmatian, Dalmatian fur bathing suit. Yeah. And she says all these drunk old men were tapping on the glass. Trying to get her to talk. Yeah, right. And she wouldn't, she was sort of, whatever, posing and acting like she couldn't see any of them. Right. And I think about this idea of the glass box, and that makes me think of a TV. Right, okay. And so I wonder if this is another analogy to, like, the idea of, like, us, like, you know, uh, fetishizing these people on TV. or Right. You know, but just in the same I mean, way as... Maybe it's also like, I mean, she's wearing a Dalmatian bikini. Right. Like, so she represents dogs, which we've decided is God, right? Yeah. And so all but these. But also related to Hecate. Yeah. Hecate. But it seems like all these men can't, these rich men can't reach her. Right. You know, there's something right. in the way that they don't understand. Right. Huh. Interesting. I don't know. No, that's a good, I like that. It's a yeah. good interpretation. Um, oh, she says that the producer that brought her to the party yeah. is makes film, big action films based on household cleaning products. Right. <laughs> it's one of my favorite details in the whole yeah. movie. There are lots of funny jokes like that. Do you think that's a, a knock on someone specific? Uh, well, there were, remember they were making all those movies based on board games? Like Battleship? No, like what? They made a Battleship movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they made yeah. some some other ones. I mean, I, Clue was so long ago, I don't really count that right. one. But. Of course, there's the popular board game Jumanji. Oh, yeah. yeah. That we all played. We all played that. That might be uh -huh. a fake board game. Oh, you're right. But uh, Zarathura, we all played Zarathura. We did. Very much so. Yeah, I mean, that is a thing. But household cleaning products, that it feels so specifically weird. Right. It could be, uh, what's the guy who did the Transformers? Oh, Michael Bay. Feels like it's kind of like shitting on like dudes like that. Right. I don't know. But it's such a specific detail. I just love it. I agree. It. I think yeah. it's good. Um, she talks about a big stone mansion that was off limits to the rest of the party. Yeah. So apparently she's brought into like a whole area where they can go to any house they want. And do whatever they want. They can eat the food. They can mess around right. in any of the rooms. But there's yeah. one house that you can't go there. Yes. 
And it belonged to some mysterious songwriter. Right. Right. Shakespeare. Mm. William Shakespeare. William Shakespeare. Yeah. was uh, Francis Bacon. Yes. Yeah. She, exactly. she kind of says it's like right out of Gatsby. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's nice how she does. She's good with the exposition. Yeah. I really like the way she plays. And she's looking thing. right at the camera when she's talking about all this too that's right she's sort of like leaning on him yeah. but the way it's filmed again she's looking straight into the camera so here's yeah. our our special muse here who yeah. uh Talks likes to deliver to lines yeah. straight to us yeah. yeah she's pretty cool i like her a lot does she have a name she is called shooting star number one. Oh, okay well yeah. of course so number no one names in this number one yeah just sam and alan and uh sarah get names uh, that's no, so there's weird. More, they're the there's only three. No, there's okay. Millicent Sevens, Jefferson Sevens. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Right. Is that the end of their? How does it end? It ends with them making out, but I can't remember what the like the, the last line of this scene is. Do you have any idea? Um, I, hold on. It's not important. We don't have to. Oh yeah, no. They they talk about the songwriter and how he lived yeah. in the mansion, and he goes, "That must have been some song." And she says, uh-huh. she says, no shit. And then they, and that's then, how then they make up. Yeah. Right, right, right. Okay. So here we get to a part that I think is really interesting. I kind of figured out this next oh, part nice. a little bit. It's just a little tiny detail that I figured out. Yeah. So Sam is on the porch. He's playing. And he's, he's playing. Strumming, turning, turning teeth and singing. and singing it. Yeah. And the bird lady is cleaning her windows. Right. So what, what happens when you clean a window? You can see through it clearer. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So it's she's if she's Hecate or yeah. Hecate, she's enlightening him in that moment. Right. She's okay. she's she's clearing his third eye to have a he has because he, he has an epiphany. The breakthrough. Yeah, he just he has, has an epiphany. Yep. So that's why she's there doing that. She's okay. clearing his vision. Okay. Cool, right? Yeah. Um. So he's playing. Singing the lyrics, and then boom, he's got this epiphany. He runs into his apartment. Yeah. And he starts looking at the album and going through the lyrics and counting the, le- the, the number of letters in each word. In each word. And so if a word is horse, H O R S E, it has five letters. So yeah. that gets a number five. Yeah. And so then in the song next to that song, I guess the B side, there's also lyrics to that. Yeah. And so he starts putting. A f- he counts five letters into the first word on the next right. in the lyrics of the next song. I don't know how he figures out. Yeah, how to I don't do that. understand how he makes that connection, but maybe that's just how those ciphers work. You have to, yeah, you have to. You don't do it to the same thing you got the numbers from. Yeah, it's weird. Do you know the name of that song? That is called "Surrounded by a Dove." Surrounded by a dove. Now, dove t- again is Colombia. Yeah, a Columba is a dove. But a dove is like the Holy Spirit, too. It's ethereal. Do, do you want me to read the lyrics? Do you have the lyrics available? I'm looking at it. You can't see the whole lyrics. But yeah, tell me what you can see. A true unstable daze, a genius thief, the diamonds all aligned and wiped away, behind the veil upon a naked isle, pretenders down the morning sleepless day. Surrounded by a dove, a genius thief, Proclaimed of blackened knowledge and gathering, the centuries unfolding earth unveiled, 
within opinions, devastated din. A product rubbed ahead and as the end, enchanted by abandoned, all within, sadistic stained, suburban sordid fear, grandeur of Waterloo enshrined in sin. And there's more lyrics, but you can't see them. Wow, those are crazy lyrics. Yeah, they are pretty bonkers lyrics. There is a head rubbed in there. Yeah. Huh. Boy, I'm going to take a while to interpret that shit. What that's really about. Right. That's wild. I've never read those lyrics. Those are cool. Yeah, and I might be able to find the whole lyrics online somewhere. Um, If you want to look, that's cool. Yeah. So he's got the pizza box out, and he starts putting number, assigning numbers to those lyrics. Yeah. And taking, so if, I think what he's doing is, he, like, if it's five, then he counts five five letters in. Yeah, and he picks up, he takes the, the letter that's five letters in, so. Right, and he puts it down on the pizza box. Yeah. And he keeps on counting that way until he has a whole string of letters on the pizza box, right? Right, yep. So he's trying to figure out what it says, and he kind of goes through it in out loud a bunch of times until he figures out that it says, rub Dean's head and wait under Newton. Right. And he does his cool little dance. Yeah, he does a great dance, and he makes noises, goofy noises. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But then he realizes, well, what the hell is, what what the hell does that mean? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and he starts going through like names like Harry Dean Stanton and yeah. Dean Morris. I'm just saying Deans, but yeah. you know, until I think he might even say, he says, he says, uh, James Dean, James Dean. And then he looks outside and off in the distance is, well, so if you live in a certain part of LA, like I lived in Echo Park and you could look out my window and you could see uh, the Hollywood sign and the, oh, well, he looks outside and he sees the bird lady yeah, cleaning a cage first. Okay. And then he sees the Hollywood sign and the, uh, uh, the observatory. The Griffith Park Observatory. Yes. So. And why is that relevant? Oh, because that's where the statue of James Dean's head is. That's right. And also, there's a statue of Newton there. Yeah. And he, so, he realizes it. So he walks yeah. there. But he, they don't explain that. No. But if you knew that, you know, like whoever had been to the he observatory. He says James probably, Dean's head. Right. Uh, so. Oh, does he? Yeah. But you okay. still, if you've never been there, you wouldn't know. No. Yeah. We um, actually have a photo of our mom with James Dean's head. Oh, really? Yeah, I have it. I can send it to you if you want. Yeah, please do. Put it in That's the podcast really cool. notes. Oh, that, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I'll put it on the Instagram. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that's perfect. Right, because the observatory is famously where Rebel Without a Cause was filmed. filmed. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why James Dean's bust is there. Yeah. And that's why there's also a bust of Optimus Prime, because that's where the first Transformers movie ended. Really? No. <laughs> I mean, it is, but I'm just joking. There's no. Oh, that was a joke. There's no bust of Optimus <laughs> Prime there. Oh, too bad. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was hoping it was carved into the side of the living rock <laughs> well, that the, we know the, now as Stonehenge. The, the, yes, the observatory transforms. Yep, chap, drip, yep, chap, drip. Yep. Autobots yep. solve the mystery. Yeah. 
What if uh, there was a whole Transformers movie just about them trying to decode lyrics? Yeah, probably. Just them sitting around trying. They could probably do it really fast. Yeah. They're computers. They are computers. Yeah. Anyway, so this scene is awesome. Yeah, he rubs um, the head and yeah. then he walks. To well, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Don't. We're not there yet. I'm just, I'm just recapping that the scene where he co- he figures the code out. Yeah. Is really great. Yeah, and it, it is. Great. I, I just, I think like, you know, like this is like a, mo- this is what inspiration looks like. Yeah. Like this is the creative process. You know what I mean? For like sure. this is the filmmaker really just doing this. He's, he's really good at showing these things that are hard to explain yeah. in words. Yeah. It's not a you know straight I mean? line at all. And he, and, and so like when you're trying to be creative and you're trying to, solve your story that you're creating on your own you know like this is how it works kind of you kind of need other things to divert your attention and then it's like um uh this uh from one of the uh hitchhiker's guidebooks this thing that i always loved where arthur dent learns how to fly and he's told that the way you learn how to fly is you throw yourself at the ground and, and miss. miss. Yeah. And the way that you miss is that as you're falling towards the ground, you forget about it and think about something else completely. Right. And so that thinking of something else is that the way, if you're trying to figure something out, that's kind of the way it works. You have to put your mind on something else entirely. And then the moment of inspiration strikes you. Right. And so I think it's even especially interesting that the, the you know, the, the bird ladies there. Yeah to sort of inspire, to be there at that moment of inspiration as well. Right, so. and I think you're right, because they cut back to her both times he's inspired. What do you mean, both times? Well, when she's cleaning the window, they cut to her. They show her cleaning the window, and then right before he realizes he should go to Griffith Park Observatory, she's like cleaning a cage or something like that. Mm. But they cut to her. They don't. She's not in the background. They cut to her doing it, and then they cut ah, back to him and inspired. Nice. So maybe she's like freeing his mind or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Nice. That's dope. Okay, that's all. I just wanted to just yeah. I just wanted to mention that because I really you like it. This is what I. This is those. It's these types of scenes that make me really love this film because the guy can show. He knows how to show things that you that are really hard. Like I said, to to just say yeah he he can show it yeah he gets he gets and that's those are very subtle pieces you know subtle moments that are are ineffable you know what i mean they're 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 elusive so to be able to to be able to turn it into a part of a story and then demonstrate it in the way that he did i say is very skillful and and amazing and i just yeah and it shows like the passage of time too because he's like Mm -hmm. hanging out with topher grace Mm -hmm. then he's jerking off (laughs) then the shooting star (laughs) arrives by this time it's night Mm -hmm. and then he gets inspired it's in the morning it's the next day right you know like so he was he was trying to figure this out for at least a day yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, maybe the shooting star is part of the inspiration as well somehow. Sure. You know, like seeing a shooting star. Yeah. Like a blessing. She seems sort of like a blessing. Sure. Like, you know. Okay, anyway, we can move along. So the next thing we see is he's 
He's at Griffith Park Observatory. Yeah. And he's rubbing James Dean's head? Yeah. He rubs the head. He's tall enough to reach. I don't know if... I'm pretty sure I probably couldn't no, reach the yeah, top of his not. head. He, he really strains to reach the top of his head. But he's a tall guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, good for him. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes and sits... Well, he walks around an obelisk that has uh, maybe seven or eight uh, scientists around it. Yes. Kepler, I think. Yeah. Um, probably Galileo. Yeah. Um, yeah. And finally, Newton. Yeah. And he sits underneath Newton. Now, this is the thing I wanted to... You know, I guess we've sort of already talked about this, but I feel like this is a very important place for the, him to be at. Right. Because... As I mentioned before earlier in our conversation about the the obelisk with Christopher Columbus and then the Columbia, yeah, this is all over the country. Are these buildings that represent the union of the male, the divine male and divine female, right? And the obelisk, in which dates as far back as you know um, Egypt, and there's even an Egyptian obelisk in Central Park. That right. was brought over to Central Park. And there's another one from Egypt in London as well, supposedly. Right. But that is Osiris's phallus. Oh, sweet. So in the myth of Osiris, he I think he's warring with Set, who is his brother? Yeah. Not sure. And, you know, and Set is where you get the idea of like sunset. Right. So that's like the sun disappearing. Right. It's the set. Um, so he's the darkness in a way, but anyway, he kills Osiris and he scatters his body in 13 pieces. Okay. And so Isis has to go and put him back together again. And she finds all of him except for his phallus. That's the myth. Right. So I, I wonder sometimes if the myths are designed so that you'll try to figure out what, well, where's the phallus? Right. Right? Well, here's the phallus. Yeah. This, so in different government buildings all over the country, um, this is the same thing in like the, at the Vatican right. and other places like that. You'll find an obelisk like that or yeah. the Washington Monument. And adjacent to that, somewhere nearby, you'll find a giant building with a dome. Right. And the dome is... The observatory. The, the observatory actually has three domes, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but maybe one big dome and two smaller ones, yeah. which is almost like the three pyramids in right. a way. But the dome is Isis's womb. Okay. I thought it maybe was representative of like the breast, but I actually think the womb makes more sense to me because the dome also represents the sky, the right. night sky, the firmament. Right. So like the night, when you see all the stars, it looks like a giant dome. Right. And that is like, the material world or the material universe, the mother, right. mother, mater, material. Right. It's all female. Right. So it sort of represents like the place where life is created and, and exists that the material world, that's Isis's womb. Right. And the phallus represents sort of like the, uh, the light of God in a way. Right. So Osiris's phallus impregnates Isis's womb and right. it creates the universe. Nice. So that symbol is all over all these great buildings sure. all over 
the world essentially, but especially in this country, it's all over this country. So go, if you're listening to this, go to your Capitol building yeah, and see if you can find an obelisk, uh, like a, a, fa- a big phallic obelisk nearby. Cause there will be one. Right. They're always together. Yeah. And so this, so this is more sex magic, him rubbing James Dean's head. And this is their, this is their old, this is the, this ancient religion. Yeah. You know, that's been right in front of our faces the whole time, but it's coded. Right. So just like all the other shit that he's trying to figure out, here's it, the code writ large, you know what I mean? Right. Just to show you, like, here's what these important men have been doing in front of our faces all this time that we don't understand, but that's for, it's for them. Right. And usually things like that are erected on a power spot. So most likely Griffith Park Observatory is a powerful spot in LA. Right. And, you know, and, you know, what's also near there is the Hollywood sign yeah. and the Hollywood, the Holy Wood, the magic wand. And behind that is a gigantic tower. Right. That's like the magic wand. Right. Anyway. Cool. So that's where we are. We're in this very special spot. Right. So he sits down underneath Newton on the obelisk. And what happens? Well, he's there for a while. So it shows more passes of time. Uh, it, it kind of keeps cutting from uh, different scenes of him waiting. And then it cuts to his point of view and we see a, a very grungy man <laughs> with a uh, cape that looks like yep. it's made of animal skins and different pieces of cloth. Mm-hmm. And he's wearing socks and sandals and he's got a, a cardboard crown around his head. Yeah. And uh, he comes in and he says, I saw you rubbing the statue's head. <laughs> And he says, who are you? Yeah. Yeah, well, first he goes, uh-huh. And so he just throws him a handkerchief that he just rubbed his nose with. He wipes his nose with it. And then throws to him and he says, put this over your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll take you where you're looking to go. Wow. Yeah. You know, the blindfolding thing is a definitely part of like Masonic rituals yeah, as well. Sure. What I have a question for you. What is this, uh-huh. the shirt he's wearing? Frankenstein. That's Frankenstein. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you knew that. I don't know who the artist is, but uh, it's Frankenstein holding a woman, right? Maybe. I think so. I can't tell. I can't remember, but I think that's what it is. Okay. He wears that shirt for a while. Yeah, he wears it for a while. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Frankenstein. Yeah. Yep. And then he says, uh, who are you? And he says, I'm the homeless king. Yep. And we get the little whistle at the end yeah. of that. And then it's very then, subtle though. Yeah. And then uh Sam makes this fun he's like you can tell Sam he's very amused by the fact that this guy just walked up and he's called the homeless king. He's like astonished. Yeah. It's like him I feel like this is where he's finally like, this is all real. Like everything I've been trying to figure out is all real. Yeah. Like, I mean this, this is the moment of confirmation for him. It's amazing. And he's like he's like, really? <laughs> and then there's, this is like, I think maybe my favorite moment in the movie is the homeless king is delighted. To yeah. St- he's just like, yes. But he's <laughs> got this huge grin and his eyes are like very bright. Yeah. And like, he just seems to be delighted that he's actually the homeless king. Yeah. Uh, and so he leads him blindfolded down a path. Uh, okay. So this is. All right, so this whole sequence that we're about to go through, I have decoded this sequence and I know what the ultimately what it means. Okay. 
Um, do we, th- do you want, I wonder if the homeless king, I still haven't figured out who he is. And I wonder if he's supposed to be Osiris. Uh-huh. Maybe. I don't know. But, um, cause I think he's supposed to represent somebody, but I, sure. I can't figure out who it is. Supposedly the, um, there's this guy called the horned God. Yeah. In neo-paganism. And he's the consort of the triple goddess. Yeah. I don't know if that's who he is, but, um. He's also known as the Holly King. Right. Or the Oak King. Okay. And Holly, there we go, Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. So he's sort of like the god of nature, the wilderness, sexuality, sure. hunting. He's the consort to the triple goddess. So that could be, it could be that simple that he's the horned god. Right. He's like a nature spirit in a okay. way. But I don't know. Or it could be Osiris. Osiris is also supposedly the green man. Right. I was going to say the green man. Yeah. When you were talking about uh, the whole Who is a nature spirit. Yeah. So he could be both things. He could be Osiris and he could be the green man, the nature, the horn god, the nature spirit. Yeah. Huh. Maybe we figured that out just now. Nice. Nice. So he's leading Sam down the hill. Yeah. Sam asks him, where are you leading me? And there's a jogger running by with turning teeth. Right. On the, their headset, and the lyrics from that moment in the song answer his question somehow. I didn't write down what their lyrics are specifically in that moment, but right. maybe I wrote it down at another in another place in my notes. Sure. But um, it's as if he asks, like, "Where are you taking me?" And the lyrics of the song of the jogger running by answers his question. Let me hold on. I can. Let me yeah, see if I ahead. can figure it out. Oh, it's the beneath the surface line. Mm-hmm. So let's see what the lyrics is. I'm trying to beneath the surface where the lovers cannot breathe. Mm. I think that's where it is. I think you might be right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's like the song immediately answers his question. Right. And there's lots of stuff like that, like coming yeah. up, like especially with the songwriter. Yeah. There's lots of like him asking questions and kind of indirectly getting answers. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, I think the next thing conversation they have is... They talk about his smell. His smell. Do you remember what the homeless king says? He, he says, some people don't realize, but uh, you don't have a good smell about you. <laughs> and if he's like this nature spirit guy, right. he would especially be noticing that. Right. right. Yeah. And then they walk by like a family. So they're walking through Griffith Park and there's like a. They walk by a birthday party. A birthday party. What do you think that Remember means? Remember this. Oh, I'm going to tell you later okay. on. Okay. All right. Birthday okay. party. There are balloons there. Then yep. there's a barking. Sounds like a dog. Mm-hmm. And he's like, is that a dog? And it's a coyote. And there's a coyote like going through garbage. Yeah. Um, do you think it's a, a real coyote or is it completely digital? It must be completely digital, right? You don't think it's you could train good. a coyote? I guess you could, but it's definitely not there in the scene. It's composited into right. the scene. Yeah. It's not really there. No. Well, they're there. But he's going through the garbage, and the homeless king says... That they're blessed creatures. If you ever mm-hmm. find yourself alone with a coyote, uh, you don't run away. You follow it and see where it takes you. Yep. Uh, which, and he says, everything belongs to the coyotes. They're just letting us use it. Yeah. Yeah. Was there something else? Uh, he says, people think they own the land. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But it's everything belongs to the coyotes. Yeah. 
And then yeah, he, so he, he gives him that important information. Follow a coyote yeah. if you see it. And he brings him in a cave. He brings him to a door yeah. at the bottom of this rock and yeah. he punches a code in. Yeah. So here we go again with, um, you know, he must be the triple goddess's consort because he's got keys to the underworld as well. Right. Just like she does. Right. I mean, he literally does. So he punches a code in, opens the door, leads him into the tunnel and um, takes off his blindfold. He says, where am I? He's like, you know, I can't tell you that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what does he, does he, he, does he say like good luck or something? I don't know what, how he leaves him. Uh, he just says, is it this way? And he points forward into the tunnel, like deeper into the tunnel. Yeah. And the homeless king just closes the door. Oh man. Can you imagine? He, he like nods his head and closes the door on him. Yeah. Can you imagine? You go through all that, and yeah. now this guy has led you underground and locked you underground. Right, and, but at least the tunnel has lights. How would you do in a tunnel like that? Uh, I'd be scared as yeah, fuck. Yeah, I'd be dude. freaked out, sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of claustrophobic, so, yeah. well, not even kind of, I am. Yeah. Um, And it makes me think, like, supposedly there are some mystery schools in Egypt where they'd have, like, certain temples where you'd have to swim in darkness underwater through a tunnel right to get to this other chamber and it's a test to see if you're can conquer your fear right um but that's an old mystery school thing so like i feel like this is a test for him to see if he can conquer his fear in this moment and and push on and right and you know find what he's really been looking for right um, so he starts walking through the tunnels, but I, that's just, I just like, just thinking about that moment. If some yeah. guy locked you underground yeah. and left you alone, that would be fucking Completely terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. Oh my God, man. But he pushes on cause Sam is intrepid. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of whistling going on uh-huh. as he's walking around here. And the tunnel leads to this huge cavern. Yeah. That has like, it's got s- the tunnel, five. five entrances to other tunnels. Yeah. And, and and there's a sixth one, but that's where he came from. So. Oh, okay. And that image with the five tunnels is a map painting. Yes. Is that yeah. the first map painting we've run into? I think so. Okay. I, as, far as, I, as far as I can tell it is, yeah. But a really good one, I think. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. I like, assume it's digital somehow. Right. But or at least enhanced digitally, maybe they're doing some sort of, you know, uh, amalgamation of like old old school like glass painting and digital enhancing. Right. And on the right side, after the tunnel, he comes out of. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't tell, but it looks like. I mean, it looks like there could be graffiti. Oh yeah. There's something that looks like an omega symbol. I it's very. Oh. I can't tell what it is. And then on the other side, there's an S, and they're faint. Okay. Or it's maybe it's a snake. Wow, that would make sense. I mean, especially with yeah. Egyptian symbolism. And now that I'm looking at it more, yeah. like, there might even be like cave paintings on the wall. But I can't, mm. I'm not totally sure. It's it's not super clear. Okay. But it does look like there might be cave paintings on the wall. Mm. Maybe. Well, it seems like it's important that he has to make a choice about which tunnel to go down. Right. And he goes down the big giant tunnel with a winding. Right. 
And again, it's five. Yeah. So here we are with that five again. Yeah. But I think he makes the right choice. Sure. There's and um, more distant whistling. More whistling, more walking, and eventually he comes to a, an, an opening under in a cave. Yeah. Where there is a, an Egyptian entrance entranceway. Yeah, and like there's like when you say Egyptian entranceway, it is probably maybe the most Egyptian thing in the movie. With a big eye of Horus. Yeah. And some uh some gods on the side. What are they? Anub- I believe they're Anubises. Okay. I uh that's what I have written down. I don't remember, I haven't looked at it in a while. But, yeah, they um, look like Anubis. I think they are. So Anubis is the god of the underworld there yeah. again, or god of death. But the eye of Horus, the the easiest way, you know, Horus is another sun god. He fights set. Um ours is like uh, an anagram of Horus. Uh-huh. You know, you could say it's like the the battle of sunrise against sunset. Right. Um, but, the, you know, Horus is the sun traveling through the sky. But the eye of Horus, you've probably seen these photos, but if you ever see like a cross section of the brain. Right. It's that middle section of the brain where the pineal gland is. Oh, nice. Yeah, it looks just like an eye of Horus. You could find it. I'm looking for it. Yeah. Pineal gland. But you have to but put in pineal oh, yeah. gland eye of Horus. Like Yeah. It's not just the pineal gland, but it's the glands around surrounding it. Sure. And and like the hippocampus and Yeah. But it looks exactly like an eye of Hor the eye of Horus is. That's depicted. pretty cool. Yep. So that's what they're talking about. Whenever you see the eye of Horus, they're talking about the, your third eye in your brain. Okay. Yep. Cool. He's about to enter into in some ways, you could look at it as he's about to enter into his own pineal gland. Right. Because a lot of temples are sort of um, relate to the body and the brain and stuff like that. Right. Anyway, he goes in there. Yeah. He enters this big cavernous room. It's got rock ceilings. Yeah. Sheet rock walls. Yeah. And lots of plastic covering furniture. Yeah. I mean, it looks like maybe it's under construction. There are lights in there. There's a bed. Yeah. He goes into a room with like four toilets. They're, in they're it. like golden toilets. Are they golden? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And there's a bunch of there's four sinks too. Four sinks. There's lots of crates and boxes. Yeah. And that would make sense if there were four sinks because there's yeah. going to be four people buried in that yeah. place. <laughs> and then there are green pipes going out, coming out of the ceiling, going right. back in. And the they're ceiling. like they look like Mario Brothers pipes. Yep. Which is really funny. Yep. And he says it's a fucking bomb shelter. Yeah. So he thinks it's a bomb shelter. Now, supposedly this first room, I don't know where I learned this from, but supposedly this is the the studio where they shot the sequence in 2001 of the guy. At the end? After he goes into the monolith, uh, before he goes into the monolith where he's an old, he goes from being a a younger man, he's eating dinner. And then he grows older and older, and yeah. then eventually he's dying on his deathbed, and he goes into the monolith. Yeah. Supposedly, that's that space where they've constructed this is the same space they shot that. Sure. Which is insane. Yeah. I wonder where that is. I mean, I would think that would be in England or something. I don't know if that's true, Andy. I don't know where the fuck I read that. I've just had it in my notes for a while. Right. But I find that fascinating if it's true. Yeah. They- so he sees all this, yeah. and he thinks he's in a bomb shelter. Yeah. And then he crawls up a weird little tunnel. Yeah. And uh, he crawls. There's just like a... And, and the 
it looks weird, like kind of fake in a way, or like a video game again. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he crawls towards the light. There's a shot of like light enveloping everything. Just bright light. Yeah, bright yep. light. And then it cuts to inside a, f- a freezer. Yeah. And his fingers come out of a grate and he pulls the grate aside and pops up. Yeah. And he's in a freezer in like a, oh, I don't know, some sort of supermarket or something. And he's in the milk section. Yeah, he's in the milk section. There's milk and, and he eggs. opens milk. Yeah. He opens some milk. He and opens like a, a gallon of milk and just starts drinking. <laughs> and drinks it. Okay, so now I'm going to explain to you what All this right. means. All right. I just think so, it's funny that he's like, I don't know. It's really funny. Yeah, it is really I funny. I agree. Especially, it's really funny. Like he is totally baffled too and looking around and he kind of absentmindedly grabs a bottle of milk. Yeah. So this shaft that he crawls up is just like a shaft that you would find in the Great Pyramid. That's what I was assuming. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I'm certain that that's what it's supposed to be like. Right. And do you think this this is just the people who are buried in that tomb for the month or so? This is where they get some of their food from? I don't know. I mean... Because it's weird that it comes out in a fridge. It's fucking super weird, but here's what it means. Okay. So he blindfolds him. Yeah. He takes him on this journey. Yeah. He walks by uh, a bunch of people singing happy birthday. Yeah. He takes him underground, you know, so he's inside the mother. Right. He climbs up a shaft towards the light, emerges out of it, and drinks milk. Right. So he is born again in this scene. Okay. Nice. He is born again. They're singing happy birthday. He comes out of a shaft of light. He comes out of he crawl he goes underground into the into the womb of the earth. Right. He climbs, he goes through a tunnel, emerges out of the light, and the first thing he does, just like a baby would do, he drinks milk. That's awesome. He's born again in this moment. Wow. Yes. Amazing. Because the thing that was you know, the the milk drinking thing I always thought was funny, but yeah. I never even recognized it as it being a meaningful. Right. Totally. But well, that's happy, that's something yeah. they do really well in this movie too. Is that yes, kind of they stuff. disguise that stuff really yeah. well. But the happy birthday thing always bugged me. Right. I was like, what the fuck is that? Right. Why is he walking by people singing happy birthday? Until I had an epiphany one day. I don't know if I woke up one day and figured uh-huh. it out. Like it was something and I was just like, or maybe I was rewatching the sequence and I went, oh, yeah. and I put it all together. Yeah. So he's born again. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? That is incredible. Again, like every time I figure out a piece of this movie like this, it makes me love this movie all over again. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's so well done. Like it's so thought through and well coded and it's not, he'll never, he never tells you outright what the right. hell it is. You have to do the work to do it, to figure it out. Right. Well, Which is the whole point of this movie. Yes. Totally. Do the fucking work. Yeah. Well, and I, because he's going into the third eye, yeah, it's all about inspiration and using your inner light, your inner knowledge to have inspiration and to that's where you get the inspiration, you get the knowledge of these things from the divine, right, and it downloads into your brain, and that's how you're able to decode these symbols right nice, yeah, well that I mean that seems like a good spot to end the 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 movie end the the episode on man 
Okay. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so, oh man, I'm so happy we got to that yeah. point. Because I was, I've been waiting for weeks to explain <laughs> I'm this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. I don't mind at all. It was really, okay. once I figured out, I was, it gave me, when I figure these things out, it makes me really excited because I'm like, oh, I'm going to get to tell this to Andy at some yeah. point. Yes. Nice. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really think I'm right about that one. I believe you are too. That seems, yeah. Because yeah. the birthday thing is so out of nowhere and it seems so placed. Yeah. Like, I and mean, it's it also. If you know the area, that, that there are birthdays celebrated there where they're walking oh, really? through all the time. Yeah. Because it's just okay. the park. It's just Griffith Park. And there's picnic mm. benches, but I I think it is odd that it's that they walk by it. Yeah, and um, and we've got all this male and female symbolism, and he goes into the earth, and and the revelation of all this stuff for him is is like a uh, is it like a ritual, like a Masonic ritual or yeah. like a mystery school sure. ritual, and now. He, He's an initiate and he's born again. And now he knows something that people don't know. Right. You know, he, he's, he's an initiate. He's, 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 uh, yeah, he's, he's been initiated into this mystery school. Right. He's born again. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. This movie's fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else to say Uh, about this? No, I mean, that's really cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I said last episode, like, this is, we've made the transition in this movie to, like, almost like unreality now. Like, we've, yeah. like the movie has finally gotten weird. And I, I, and I feel like... <laughs> you think so? I feel like that happens as soon as the Homeless King appears. Like, I feel oh, like man. there's a shift where yeah. it breaks, it's like a break from reality or a... Yeah. Or, an ascension from reality or something like it kind of, it just becomes everything up to this point. I can see happening. Right. In real life. Right. And now it starts getting really bizarre. Yep. Yeah. That's definitely a moment where if that happened to you, you would think you were on acid and yeah. you had just lost your mind. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's so exciting. Because, and then everything that happens from here is just crazier and crazier, yeah. you know, but you need this moment to really break. Yeah. It kind of really narrative. escalates almost immediately yeah. after this happens. Yeah. So. Which makes sense, yeah. really. Because um, now that he's initiated, now he's going to be seeing things that the uninitiated would never see. Right. Um, cool. Awesome. Ah, man, I'm so happy we got to that point. Yeah. Yeah. We did Thank good you. today. We did. I we wasn't did. sure we were going to get that. I mean, I know I was optimistic at the beginning of the episode, but you were after you talked for like a half an hour before we even started work, working <laughs> on the movie. I was like, oh, maybe we won't get that far. Sorry. No, don't be sorry. It's good. Okay. Um, so uh, tell people where they can find you on the on the interwebs. Uh, you can find me at andyristino.com. Uh, it's R-I-S-T-A-I-N-O. And you can find links to my Instagram, YouTube and all that jazz there. Nice. And you can find me at theseardreams.com. That's the word these, the word are, the word dreams.com or at philrestino.com. Um, and you can find me at philrestino on Facebook and the Instagram, which I will soon be 
by the time you're hearing this, I will have already yeah. been posting stuff about this podcast. Um, and if you, we're just entering October, and this is going to be the month where I'm going to start putting these podcasts oh, out. Oh, that's so, excellent. Yeah, yeah, it's that's amazing. Down, yeah, right? you, I'm excited because yeah. I you let me listen to the first episode, and I thought it was really rad. Oh, well, wait till you hear the when we are actually talking about the movie, right? Yeah, I mean. That was yeah. I thought that first step that episode zero came out cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, these conversations that we've been having about are, are what better. we're actually learning when we're really yeah. going through the film are even more excellent. Awesome. So yeah. Uh, hopefully, I'll be making other stuff to go along with that. I did record something. I recently uncovered the original post relevant manifesto that I co wrote in nineteen ninety four in Prague. Nice. Um, so that's gonna go on to episode one. Yeah. As well. And uh, I'll see what other kinds of mischief yeah, I can get up yeah, to. Yeah. And if you if you guys enjoy listening to Restino Brothers talk, there's another podcast called Welcome to the Art Shed, which is hosted by me, our brother Carl, and our friend Chris Peters. And Phil is on it quite regularly. And uh, we kind of talk about art and weird stuff. And plague facts. And plague facts, yeah. I listened to the one where you guys were talking about uh where you're recording during a storm oh yeah that was the last one we did that was fun yeah 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 but it's good stuff um carl has a completely different style yeah, it's true <laughs> he's like a, a just he is like a storm in yeah. and of himself yeah. so it's a very chaotic uh yeah it's um, it's a new ex- rag, ram shrack sh- ramshackle? ramshackle yeah kind of a podcast uh but fun to listen to because of that I'm yeah saying. so check it out welcome to the art shed yeah um, okay, so I think that should do it. We are you, you, the listener, along with Andy and I. We are all born again together. All right. Initiated by the homeless king into uh, the underground and birthed again into the supermarket of our of our dreams. How how and deep so, into the lake are we, Phil? Uh, we're like chest deep. That's it. Oh, no. I would say so. Okay. You're up to our chest. We're up to you're up to your heart and your nipples oh, about, about in in the silvery water. Is it cold? So, is the water cold, or are we getting used to it? Well, it's uh, no. We've definitely kind of, we're getting used to it by now okay. for sure. It was probably a little chilly, yeah, when we first got in there. But at least Millicent was with us to distract us. Right, that's true. You know, so um, but yeah, that's it. We've done it. We've been initiated together, and I can't wait to take you guys on the rest of the journey. So if you're digging this, um, please keep coming with us. Come on back to the next episode of the Post Relevant Podcast, where we all together will continue to journey deep down under the Silver Lake. See you soon. Bye. Goodbye. That's going to do it for episode six of the Post Relevant Podcast. Thank you again for listening. We're back in 2022, baby. I think it's going to be a good year. Got a lot of awesome things coming up. I have an interview with film writer and director Max Kane about his new short film, House of Brotherly Love, a film which I just acted in. I have an interview coming up with a professor whose last name will be very familiar to you all about Dante's Inferno and how that might relate to Under the Silver Lake. 
and hopefully there'll be more music and interviews and way more breakdowns all about Under the Silver Lake. Special thanks to Andy Rustino for his excellent conversation. Special thanks to Alan Tobin, who co-wrote the theme song, The Post-Relevant Movement. You're listening to it right now. You can find out more about our project Agents of Venus on Bandcamp. And you can find out more about me by going to my website, thesearedreams.com. And you can also find me at Phil Restino on Facebook and Instagram. I'd especially love it if people would check out the Instagram. There's a lot of cool stuff there that enhances the podcast. It's the 4D experience. And drop me a line there. Let me know what you're thinking. Here's hoping that 2022 is good for you.